0: As followers of Jesus Christ, one of the key elements of a growing and vibrant relationship with Him is our obedience to God our Father. Today, John looks to Scripture to help us understand the importance of obeying God.
1: If you'll open your Bible, please, to the book of Deuteronomy and find chapter number 28. Now, I want to talk to you today about the importance of obedience. And I want to concede on the front end that obedience is not a very popular topic. In other words, when you got up and you were coming to church this morning, I'm sure there were a lot of other things that you would rather have heard today than a sermon about obedience. And yet, as we read the Bible, we find that obedience is one of the most important things taught in the Bible. In fact, as I was thinking about that, I think that obedience is the most important topic in all of the Bible. Now, The most important theme of the Bible is the righteousness of Jesus Christ and God tells us that if we'll place our faith in him that he will give us his righteousness and we can be saved and so we could say that trusting Christ is the most important topic in the Bible but if you think about it We're commanded to trust Christ and so it's really not possible to separate trusting Christ from obeying God's command to trust Christ. And so today we're thinking about obeying God and we're thinking about that it's the most important thing that God tells us to do in all of the Bible. Now look with me beginning in chapter number 28 of Deuteronomy. And we're going to look at several scriptures today at the beginning of this sermon and then kind of have our thoughts and our points uh, a little bit later on. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, look at verse number 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. And the Remaining verses there in the first half of this chapter talk to us about the importance of obedience. In fact, in my Bible at the beginning of chapter 28, it says blessings on obedience. And beginning in verse 15, the heading says curses on disobedience. And so God has promised to bless us if we obey him. And he's promised that there's going to be a price to pay if we choose to disobey. Now, turn to the book of Psalms, just a couple of more verses, maybe three more passages. In Psalm 40, because when we think about obedience, and one of the reasons that we don't like sermons on obedience is we don't want anyone telling us what to do, not even God. If we're honest, sometimes we don't even want God telling us what to do. And so we think, man, a sermon on obedience is the preacher's going to stand up there and say do this do this do this do this don't do that don't do that don't do that and so we think of obedience in a negative term we we have a negative impression of obedience but notice what david said when he thought about obeying god he didn't think of it negatively at all psalm 40 and the first part of verse 8 notice what david said i delight to do your will o oh my god in other words david said i don't view obedience as a burden. I don't view obedience as something that's bad. Listen to this. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Could you say that with David? Could you say to God, God, I delight to do your will? Well, we should be able to say that. God would want us to view obedience that way. And Then let me just read a verse out of 1 John. Notice what John says about obedience. For this is the love of God That we keep his commandments. In other words, if we really love God, the way that that will be manifested is that we keep God's commandments. But notice the next sentence and his commandments are not burdensome. We think of obeying God as being a burden. I'll tell you what is a burden disobeying God. That the consequences of disobedience. That's where the burden is, but the burden, John said, his commandments are not burdensome. Now, you're in Psalms. Go to Psalm 119. I want us to see one other verse before we go to the next part of this sermon. Psalm 119 and verse number 60. Psalm 119 and verse number 60. The psalmist is talking about obeying God and Doing what God told him to do and not doing what God told him not to do. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in all the Bible, and look at verse number 60. Notice what he said. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. In other words, God, you have told me to do this, and when you told me to do it, I didn't delay I didn't think about it, I didn't weigh my options, I didn't ask 10 people's opinion. You said do it and I did it. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. And so this morning we are thinking about the importance of obeying God. Now, I want us to begin with a definition. I love definitions. Anytime we're thinking about a topic, it helps me to have a definition. So the question is, what is obedience? Now, This definition is super simple, but let's put it out there. Obedience is doing what God says, how God says it, immediately. That's obedience. And uh, God tells us to do something, and we just do it. We don't modify how he says it. We don't delay it. We just do it immediately. The psalmist said, I made haste to keep your commandments and to do what you said. Now, why should we obey God? God has told us so many things in the Bible that we're to do. And why should we obey God? Well, we should obey God. Here's the answer to that question, because he is God. If I came out here today and started giving you commands and told you to obey, 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 you'd be saying the thing, why should we obey you? Well, you, there's no reason you should obey me. I have no authority over you like that, tell you what to do. The only authority I have is to stand here and say, this is what God has told all of us to do. And so we should obey God because he is is God now what happens when we obey God when you and you think about it even today you've already obeyed God God said forsake not the assembling of yourselves together that's a command well what in other words plain English go to church on Sunday well you did that so you've already obeyed God God tells us that we're to sing praises to him well we've already done that God has told us to study his word we're doing that now So we've already done a lot of the things that God has commanded us to do. Now, what happens when we obey God? I'll mention three things briefly. Number one, God is honored. When you obey Him, He's honored. Number two, you are blessed. There's always a blessing attached to obedience. And number three, other people are blessed. Have you noticed in your life that when you do right, or when you try to do right, you try to do what God has told you to do, not only do you get blessed, but other people get blessed. there is a ripple effect to our obedience, and so there's all those reasons that we should obey God now, when we think about obeying God, this is why it's so important that we read the Bible that we come to church on Sunday. you can't obey what you don't know. you can't do what God told you to do if you don 't know what He said, and we learn about that in the Bible now, this number is I quote this fairly often, but this number you wouldn't want to press it too hard, but I've always heard that in the Old Testament, there's 613 commands, 613 things God has told us to do. Now, the f- truth on that is, there are 613 commands in the first five books of the Bible. In the law, there's 613 commands. Some of those commands command, uh, contain more than one command. Some of those commands might be repetitive, but then there's the whole remaining part of the Old Testament and there are additional commands. But let's just, for, for easy math, let's just say in the in the Old Testament there's 613 commandments. Now, in the New Testament, when you read all the things that God has told us to do and then other things God's told us not to do, you're going to come up with about 1,050 commandments. But when you begin to break those down, you're going to see some repetition. It says it in this gospel. Says So when you take those out and just have, uh, you know, put them in categories or headings, about 800 commandments in the New Testament, 800 different commandments. So think about that. Let's say there are 800 commandments in the New Testament, 613 commandments in the Old Testament, So that equals 1,413 commandments. Now, there are way more than that. So that many things God has commanded us to do. And so I have thought to myself, how am I going to preach a sermon with 1,413 points in it? That'd be a long sermon. You would all be like Claire. You'd tune me out, right, if I had a sermon that long. So I thought, you know, there's no way in one sermon that I or anybody else could cover that many different commandments. And so what I want us to do today, I have chosen four commandments, independent of each, other. I mean just four commandments, and I want to mention these, and as we just walk through the list, we'll look at some scripture, I'll read some scripture, you can write these passages down, and uh, we might look one or two of them up, but I want you to ask yourself as we walk through this list of things that God has told us to do, some areas in our life where God expects us to obey Him. And I want you to ask yourself this question Have you obeyed God in this area? Are you obeying God in this area? Number one, we should be obedient in our baptism. Now, we've seen a baptism earlier today, and we thankfully see them often, but we should be obedient in our baptism. In Matthew chapter 28, just write this down verses 18 and 19, the Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. See, this is why a moment ago why, when I said, Why should we obey God? Because He is God. And here Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. Jesus is God. And here's His commandment to us as the church Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, watch this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Then verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so, here in this passage, in the Great Commission, Jesus gives us a clear command to obey Him by being baptized. And so, I want to just ask you today have you ever been baptized? Now, one thing that we need to always make clear when we mention baptism is that baptism doesn't save us. I think a lot of people get mixed up on that, and they have the idea that baptism washes our sins away. No, the blood of Jesus washes our sins away. We get baptized after we've been saved to let other people know that we have been saved. When, a per- when we talk to a child, we always say to that child, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart and to forgive your sins, his blood washes those dirty sins away and then that heart that was dirty and stained by sin becomes clean and pretty and as pure as the freshly fallen snow. And when you get baptized, you're going to be up there in your white robe, and that's your way of saying to everybody who's watching, just like my robe is clean and pure and white, Jesus has made my heart that way. So baptism is not salvation. It is a picture of salvation. And it's the first thing, the reason I put it first on my list today, it's the first thing that God tells us to do after we get saved, and that is to get baptized. Now, the second area that we should be obedient in, all these commandments, we're thinking, man, John, you can't preach. all. Give us another one. We should be obedient in our finances. And I'm talking specifically about tithing. And the reason I mention this today is because in two weeks, it's harvest day. And this is the one, we should be tithing. Every time you get paid, we're supposed to tithe. If you get paid twice a month, we're supposed to tithe twice a month. If you get paid every week, we're supposed to pay every week. Or maybe you get paid twice a month, but you do the math and you still bring a tithe. However you do that, we should always tithe when we Uh, receive any kind of income. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, God said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, in our time, the storehouse is the church. And so the tithe, that word tithe is a Hebrew word. It's an English word that comes from a Hebrew word that means a tenth. And so the teaching of Scripture is that every time we receive income, we should give 10% of that God, I, I think about parents sometime, and I think, you know, one of the greatest things that a parent could do for a young child is to teach that child to tithe. And if a young family doesn't have much money, you know what they, what you could do as a, as, a, as a parent. When your kid gets old enough to count, every week you could give your kid 10 dimes, the dollar. and you could say to your child, "Now look, every time you get paid every, when you get older, you're going to get a job and you're going to make money, And so the first dime From every dollar goes to God, and you take it to church on Sunday. If you have more money than that, you might give your kids a $10 allowance every week and teach that child the first dollar out of every 10 goes to God. It's a tremendous thing, tithing. Now, when it's a dime, when it's a dollar, it's not hard to tithe that, not hard to give God a dime or a dollar. But as we get older and that number goes up, Sometimes it gets hard. I can remember years and years and years ago hearing my dad tell a story, and he had the gentleman's permission to tell it, but when he was pastoring in East Texas, we were living there in the 80s, a man in the church came to him and said, Dr. Redmond, I have a job, and it's a good job, but it's not a good paying job. And my family's growing, and our needs are growing, and uh, we, I need to make more money. And I'm going to ask you to pray that God would give me a job uh, where I would make more money than I make now so that I could provide better for my family. He said, I tithe as it is now. I will continue to tithe, but could you just pray with me that God would give me a new job? And so they prayed, and my dad said, you know, God give him, a, we asked for a better job so he could provide for his family. Well, weeks and went by, a little time went by, and sure enough, God answered that prayer, and that man got a better job, better paying job, well, after a few months with that better paying job, that man found that it was not as easy to tithe on the new job as it had been on the old job because the dollar amount had gone exponentially up. So he came back to my dad and he said, Dr. Evan, you prayed that I would get a better job and I did and, and, and I told you that I would tithe and I just have to confess to you, I'm having a hard time tithing on this new job because I'm making so much money that I was on the old job. That If I tithe on this, it just, to write this kind of check out to the church, it just seems over the top. And so could you pray for me that it would be easier to tithe? And so my dad said, absolutely, let's pray. And so when the, he began to pray and he said, now God, this man obviously can't handle all this money. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to give him his old job back. And that man said, Dr. Rebman, that's not what I meant you to do. I didn't mean it to be like that. See, if you'd have come to me, I'd have been more diplomatic about that. I'd have said, now, Lord, help I wouldn't have hurt your feelings. I'd have been soft and easy with you. But Dad, this is, he did it that way. He said, Lord, give him his old job back. So we, that man said, Dr. Edmund, no, take that prayer back. That's not how I want that prayer to be prayed. He said, in fact, if you'll take that prayer back, I don't know how you take a prayer back, but he said, if you'll take that prayer back, I'll just start tithing if you think God let me keep my job. So anyway, the point is, no matter how many dimes we get at our job, the first dime goes to God. That's the tithe. Now, the second dime, if you give that to God, that's your offering, and that's your business. But the first tithe, it goes to God. Now, the third error, and I've got to pick up the speed here. Number three, we should be obedient in how we treat others. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so we should be we should be obedient in how we treat others. You know, sometimes we have to apologize to somebody. I've had to do this many times in my life. Maybe I've been rude or short with somebody or or, or not, or maybe selfish or whatever, and you have to go back, and you have to apologize, and you have to say, God, or not God, to that person, I'm sorry for what I said or for how I acted, and I owe you an apology. And so let me ask you today, is there anybody in your life, in your family, in your circle of friends, where you work, anybody that you need to apologize to for hurting their feelings or for being rude we've all done that and sometimes we have to go back but we should be obedient in how we treat others and then finally i'll just mention this we should be obedient in our witnessing in our in the sharing of our faith we should be obedient uh, God commands us that we should be witnesses and that we should, we should tell others about him. Sometimes we can plant a seed and invite them to church. Sometime we can do more than that. We can actually share the gospel and tell them how to be saved. Sometimes we can do more than that. Sometime we can actually lead a person to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But we need to be obedient in our witnessing. Now, you still listen? Say amen. I want to wrap it up today with this question. Is it possible to be disobedient to God and at the same time be in the will of God? Now, I want you to think about that. Is it possible to be disobedient to God and at the same time to be in the will of God? Now, all of us want to be in the will of God, right? I mean, I do. I don't want to be out of the will of God. The will of God is the safest place you can be in all the world. It's the place of provision and protection. It's the place where God uses you. It's the place of peace. The will of God is everything. I want to be in the will of God in my life, and I know you do too. But the question is, can you be in the will of God if you're disobedient to God? And the answer to that question is no, it's not possible to be in the center of the perfect will of God if you are disobedient to God. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's just think about uh, what we've talked about today. It means if you've not yet been obedient in this whole area of believer's baptism, you've been disobedient for whatever reason, maybe you've not even understood it, you've not even known you should do it. But it's not possible to fully be in the will of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not in the will of God in some other areas, but you're not fully in the will of God. If we're not tithing, I can't be in the will of God if I'm not being obedient to what God has told me to do as far as the tithe, and the same is true in how we treat others. If I, I mean... I can't be in the will. If I owe you an apology and I've not apologized, I'm not in the will of God, not fully in the will of God. And if I'm, think about this, if I'm not consistently endeavoring to share my faith in Christ with unsaved people, I mean, God has told us to do that. And so if we don't do that, we're being disobedient. And what is disobedience? Disobedience is rebellion before God. And so, what am I to say to God? Well, God, I've been baptized. I do tithe. I try to treat people right. And when I don't, I do ask them to forgive me. But God, this whole idea of witnessing and sharing my faith and helping people be saved. Now, God, I don't know about that. That's what you've called the preacher to do. That's what you've called the missionary to do. That's what you've called somebody else to do. No, friend, that's what God's called you to do. And that's what God has called me to do. And so, we ask ourselves this question is it possible to be fully in the center of the will of God if we are in any way being disobedient to the clear commandment of God? And the answer to that question is no. You say, well, John, what do we do here? If, it's, if, if there's some area in my life where I have been disobedient in the past, and we all have, right? I mean, we had to admit our own disobedience before we got saved, right? Somebody has said that the church and hell's angels are the only two organizations on earth where you have to admit you're bad before you can become a part of it. Now, you think about that. You can't get saved without admitting that you've sinned, and so what do we do? We ask God to forgive us. What if there's sin in our life right now? What do we do? We confess it, and we turn from it. We repent of it, and we ask God to help us to go a different way. And we ask God to help us to live our lives in obedience to his command. And aren't you thankful that when we fail, God is faithful? That when we sin, he forgives? That he doesn't hold grudges? That he gives us a fresh start and a new beginning? And today, in in one of these areas, or in some other area, If you say, John, I've just not been obedient in that area. Well, how about this? How about today we confess that to God and ask his forgiveness and ask him to help us beginning today that we would be fully obedient to him.
0: The first step of obedience to Jesus is to follow him, to turn to him for our salvation. You can do that now. Won't you pray with me? Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Please make me to be the person you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it, and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.com or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. If you are a new believer in Jesus, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your family and friends about how Jesus has changed your life. Thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.